0: Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast brought to you with the support of Work Your Way our new online course, The Complete Guide to Going It Alone. Head to soloism.com to sample some of the 80-plus videos. And if you like what you see, and I really hope you will, use the promo code PODCAST for a special podcast listener discount. Now, my guest today has been referred to as the King of Calm. Tom Cronin's journey to the point where he's written four books on meditation and yoga and runs online courses, international workshops and events followed a period in his working life where he suffered from panic attacks, anxiety and depression. Happily, those days are well and truly gone, and with his stillness project, he's committed to unite millions of minds across the globe through connection in peace, harmony and stillness. We're very fortunate that today he's going to spread some stillness across the Flying Solo community and I, for one, am absolutely ready. Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be
2: here. Thanks for inviting me along.
1: Well, look, where I'd like to start is by asking you kind of how do you think we're going, you know, generally as a society? We hear and we read a lot about the importance of being still, of being calm, of having balance, of slowing down. You know, is the message getting through? (laughs)
2: Um, look i mean i think what we're seeing is a frenetic pace to our society which is having serious ramifications Mm. and what we're doing is we we have a new phenomenon which is completely untested in the history of mankind which is about 10 years old now and if you look at the history of mankind 10 years is not that long Mm. so what we've suddenly had access to is a flood of information that, uh, you know, our nervous system, our minds has to process, and we're not having any respite from that processing. Uh, it's quite gargantuan, like it's a tsunami or tidal wave of, of change that the human species has to grapple with. I was just fascinated yesterday as I was driving through the streets of Sydney after doing an interview in the city, And just seeing, you know, at the traffic lights, you know, every pedestrian literally, um, you know, at every pedestrian along the way was just obsessed with their phone. Mm. Um, And I myself, you know, not to not to separate myself from those people, you know, at traffic lights, I was trying to get to emails because I just come out of a two hour meeting and I had a, a number of things that I was trying to catch up on. And I was thinking, wow, you know. 10 years ago, we would never have done this. This is a whole new phenomenon. Yeah, look, I mean, it's so true.
1: And I guess, you know, thinking of, of our community, you know, people that are running, we're all running businesses by ourselves, you know, we, we have our business in our pocket. And, you know, for a number of years, we kind of rejoiced at this, oh, wow, isn't it great? I can I can pull my phone out of my pocket and see my email and check what's going on here. You know, and we kind of thought it was so good. But now here we are, as you say, 10 years later. But So what I think you're saying there, there's the jury's still out. So we we just don't know, do we?
2: Um, Look, I mean, I think we do know in some respects. We're seeing statistics coming through um, of the huge increase in levels of anxiety, um, you know, particularly in teenagers these days, Mm. because um, their nervous systems haven't reached that level of mature development. um, Their brain's still developing. Um, You know, we don't let children under certain ages, you know, vote or drive cars because their brain functionality hasn't actually um, developed enough to be yeah. able to, you know, make those intuitive conscious decisions. And yet we've given them access to these phones and they're doing things that they just don't have the conscious capacity to, to make those wise decisions around. Um, and unfortunately, parents have also simultaneously, um, you know, become very um, haphazard as well with this and very relaxed. And so what we're losing is these boundaries and structures to life. Um, you know particularly as you know solo business owners you know mm. the, the challenge we have is being able to turn off you know I I take business calls and even make business calls on Sundays these days and you mm. know last night at 9 30 at night I had to punch through a few emails after I you know tucked the kids in bed and um, you know it's in the old days you know you finished work at five and then you hung out with the family you went for a walk you had dinner you yep. know you watched tv um, and so it, it is definitely a challenge that it's got benefits and, and negatives as well. But just anxiety, depression, um, irritable bowel syndrome, gut mm. issues, um, these are all start of, you know, diabetes, chronic diabetes. Mm. So these are things that we're paying, a. you know, the the way we're paying a price for this accessibility to, I guess, um, things that are supposed to make our life better and easier
1: yeah okay well
2: look that's that's
1: clearly outlined the problem and um, I was very very pleased to hear you you confessing there that you know you're driving along and when the when you're at a traffic light you you check your email you're saying you're making calls at night you're doing things at the weekend so you know welcome you're clearly one of us so yeah I am <laughs> but um but you know you you have you teach and you practice and you've found something that's working for you so you know i'm i guess i'm just kind of rejoicing internally that you're not necessarily sitting cross-legged on the floor at the moment um in a great in a state of great bliss you know you're you're working like the rest of us so i guess my challenge to you then is given all of that and given that we all work a lot of us anyway the way that you work what the hell do we do about it how where is stillness where do we find it how do we get it Sure.
2: It's a great question. Um, And I'm not sitting lotus position. Right. Um, I'm at a computer and sitting in a chair. But I am very much in a state of bliss. Okay. So what we want to establish are two different things. One is activity and one is the state of our activity. Hmm. So um, stillness is something that I incorporate on a daily basis. Uh, This morning I had meditation and, um, you know, admittedly I do sometimes do emails while i'm at the traffic lights or you know not while i'm walking but certainly while i'm still yep. um, you know sometimes at night time sometimes at morning but I, I make sure that the day is balanced with my wellness with my um with the, there's a sanskrit phrase called yogastar Kamani, which means established in being perform action and sorry what say that is again
1: established
2: in being or stillness perform action so if you think oh, okay. about a tree the best analogy I like to use is a tree grows its roots first. The first thing a tree does is grow down before it grows up. Mm. And that's because it knows that it needs to have stability um, before the upward leg of its journey. And what most of us are doing is just living life in, in you know, our outer world, which is making sure our family, our money, our jobs, you know all this is external, trying to make our external world work for us so that we can have a sense of fulfillment, a sense yeah. of happiness, a sense of joy. And we're constantly trying to move these constantly moving things to make them line up so that we can have some sense of um, you know, joy and happiness in our yeah, lives. Okay. Which is the wrong way,
1: which is not right because what you're saying is We need to get those roots in place first. That's right. We need to
2: find it first. So we find the the deep sense of identity. We need to find a sense of fulfillment. We need to find a sense of knowingness and connectedness within ourselves, which we find in the stillness beyond that field of relativity. Then once we stabilize that with our daily practice, once this becomes more prevalent and more of an experience for us, then what happens is we can um, then go out into the world and we, it takes all the burden, all the pressure off um, all of those things having to be lined up for us to mm. feel fulfilled. We're already fulfilled and if they line up, then that's a bonus. Wow. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that they're just simply not going to stay there. You know, your your partner might not want to live with you for the rest of your life like she said at the altar or your your finances not might be exactly where you want them to be for the rest of your life or the weather might not turn out for that picnic or mm you know the hairdresser might not do the best haircut for you you know these things are going to constantly change and so it just takes all the pressure off that to have to work out because you've already stabilized a sense of deep-rooted knowingness and and um a connection to something that's quite profound and elevated within you
1: okay so look you're you're giving us a, a a beautiful picture a very inspiring picture of where we can get to Mm-hmm. Now I know you know through that little sort of um summary of of the very unfortunate story that that was your own experience after a mm-hmm. you know a successful career in the, the finance industry 26 years or something I believe and then you kind of you melted it, things got really bad and you left and you had all these things happening to you and you took yourself I'm imagining here I didn't I, I'm, I'm not I'm just using my imagination I'm assuming you took yourself away from all that and you sat down and you said right Tom something's got to change here and you worked on your laying down your roots doing the work that you needed to do so yeah
2: it's, it's yeah sorry go on. all
1: right so let's assume that that was kind of roughly how it went now let's i 'm sure we both agree that what we don 't want is to get to people when they 're in that situation we want to get to them a lot earlier than that we want to We want people to start practicing and experiencing and benefiting way before they fall over. so I guess what what uh, you know what i'm then my next question really is what can we do to people listening now who are saying yeah i 've heard about this i 've read about this, I know how important it is' Um, what's what's the starting place how can we give someone an introduction that's going to just give them a little glimmer of hey this is what's possible this is what it can look like because accepting that not everyone's going to want to or you know hopefully is not going to be in that situation where they have to do it because something bad something really bad's happened
2: yeah it's it's a great way of putting it and um, that was pretty much true in some respects about my experience you know Mm. i i it was 10 years into my career that I had huge anomalies showing up in my system right. uh, in the way of anxiety, depression, uh, panic attacks, agoraphobia, insomnia, couldn't go to work, suicidal tendencies, a deep, dark depression. And that's really just if we take all the, um, the emotional aspects of that out, really all that was happening was my body was just saying, dude, sort this shit out. You're doing something that you shouldn't be doing and get back in line with natural law. And yeah, okay. the body is quite a remarkable vehicle of mm. letting you know like a, a light on the dashboard that something is, um, needs to change. And exactly what you said, you know, you need to need to do something different. And um, my body had been giving me messages for a long time, but I kept ignoring them. So the body just turns up the volume. And mm-hmm. eventually, uh, it got to the point where I became choiceless. Um, now, what I just want to clarify, I didn't go off and, um, you know, spend 20 years in a monastery. I basically... <laughs> <laughs> learned a technique of meditation that i could incorporate daily in my life and i did have um, a little while off work but that was as a result of the sickness but once i found a vehicle or tool that enabled me to start to restore balance in my mind and body um, i was back at work very quickly and i continued on for another 16 years as a broker wow okay but meditated twice a day and i didn't have that same stress responses that i was having back then i changed um you know the levels of rest that I was getting through the meditation practice. And that restored a great deal of balance back into my body as it shifted my body out of the sympathetic nervous system state that it was in for such frenetic long periods of time, you know, the fight, flight, and Mm. moved it into parasympathetic on a daily basis. So morning meditation and afternoon meditation was absolutely essential in that. And you're right. We can, and ideally um, incorporate change before it becomes a necessity. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but can I ask
1: you? And this might seem like a uh, extremely basic question. And, and this is from someone who's, you know, I I have been on a few, uh, well, at least a couple of meditation retreats. I've done courses. I've read books, um, and I've practiced in the past tense. Um, and I might, I won't bore this whole podcast with my problems. But um, <laughs> how would you? How would you summarise meditation? What is it?
2: Yeah, it's great to clarify that because a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, there's no way I could quiet my mind or there's no way Mm. I could steal my mind. There's no way I could empty my mind. And we need to really demystify meditation and bring it into the 21st century and give people a very practical understanding about meditation, what it does and how to do it. So there are four categories that I'd classify as meditation. One is to sit, and concentrate on one single point so getting the mind to focus on the third eye or a candle or your breath moving through the nostrils and this is about really using a lot of force to get the mind to do something that it naturally isn't inclined to do or wanting to do and that's mm. focus on one thing um, and it will be a little bit of friction in that process but at the same time there'll be a great deal of discipline and you'll develop a muscle of, um, of, of concentration and that will be quite beneficial. Uh, there's uh, contemplation meditations where you would sit closing your eyes and you'd be contemplating gratitude or intention setting or being guided by someone on an audio or in front of you um, on a journey uh, Mm. where your mind is now being directed in a certain way that has moved it away from the negative thoughts, the self-doubting thoughts, the worrying thoughts, the past thoughts, the future thoughts, and you still have mental activity. But it's just different quality based upon what you're listening to or the nature of where you're what you're contemplating on, and that's still beneficial. Okay. But we've got activity in the mind. Don't forget, there's still some stimulation going on in the mind, and the mind is engaged mm. as far as you're, you're having thoughts. Um, then we've got chanting meditation, which is where you might sit in a group chanting out loud, Om Namah Shiva, Om Namah Shiva. And that's quite an uplifting, beautiful way of doing group meditations, or you can do that even on your own. Again, we've got activity, you're speaking, you're having physiological activity, your mind is busy because you're saying things over and over again. Um, And then we have a technique that I teach and the one that I use, and that's uh, the one I've been practicing for 20-odd years, and that's using uh, a mantra Mm -hmm. that you say silently inside your head, and these are called seed mantras or bija mantras in Sanskrit. And the nature of a seed mantra is that it takes the mind and it, it transcends the field of thought. It takes the mind beyond the field of thought. And there's, uh, there's a space behind your thoughts that's vast, it's unbounded, it's unlimited, and it's this endless sea of um, creative possibility and, and intelligence. And our mind generally doesn't know how to get there because it's so fascinated by the current analytical thinking process revolving Mm. around the I, which is the identity, the ego. Um, So if you think about most of your thoughts, they're going to have you at the center of them. Um, Whereas in transcendence, in meditation, using the, the mantra as a vehicle to actually export the mind to that destination, what happens is you dissolve any notion of there being an I. You've gone beyond the future and past tense, the field of relativity where there's you and other you and something else and in that space a couple of things happen um, on two different levels one on a physiological level and nervous system level your mind is still because it's satisfied and it's no longer questing or searching for something and because the mind is still the physiology drops substantially deep into a metabolic state of rest hmm. and what happens here and it's recognized that these techniques can take the physiology into a space that's around four times metabolically deeper than sleep. And it's here that profound shifts occur in the physiology because we have a natural intelligence in our body that will restore balance and upgrade and optimize the system. It's incredible intelligence to do that. It's just that we're just not giving it the appropriate environment to do that. And in this stillness state, that's where things start to reorganize itself. So we're completely out of the fight flight state now. And the biochemistry starts to change. We produce melatonin, serotonin, oxytocin, um, your pulse rate, breath rate. All the things in your body start to restore balance. And all the anomalies start to um, get dissolved and reorganized. And that's profound on a physiological level. Now, on a conscious level, what happens is that it liberates us from the bondage of the conditioned mind. And most of our mind and the nature of our mind, the tendencies of the mind, we call vasanas, which is the tendency of your mind to think in a particular way based upon social, cultural, political, and um, hereditary conditioning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the way we just tend to have our thoughts functioning uh, is a, a deep conditioning. And in transcendence, we've transcended that dogma, we've transcended those boundaries, transcended the limitations, and we've accessed a field of what's called truth or wisdom. And when we come out of our meditation, as my, our mind is flavored with that it's uh it's like it's dipped itself in the ink of this infinite wisdom and you become a lot more uh intuitive about the way you think and a lot more mindful of the way you think and a lot more proactive in your thoughts rather than reactive in your thoughts
1: okay look uh, you clearly know this stuff right there's i'm not denying that and i think everything that you've said is is really clear, and I'm I'm just trying to put myself in the position of somebody listening, who's still a bit of a skeptic, and is listening to you talking about, you know, sitting and concentrating, uh, contemplating your chanting, your mantras, and and I, you know, the piece that, that that really jumped out to me is that is that we can take ourselves to a spot that is I think this is what you said four times deeper than sleep, four times more. I'm going to take that to mean four times more valuable to us. Mm-hmm. than sleep so what what i the piece that i guess I, I really want to understand is how you know how does that happen and how how long do we need as busy people to kind of get into this space to st- to start not to get into it but to get a sense of you know what maybe this is actually working for me you know how 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 long do we need to be doing it for before we can start to feel some benefit from this? This is for the people listening that are that are just thinking. So what I got to sit down and concentrate on my breathing? Well, how's that gonna? What's it gonna do? And how's it gonna work?
2: Yeah, great question. Certain techniques will take longer than others, and certain techniques will give you very different results. Um, the technique that I practice and have been teaching um, will give you the results within the first couple of sessions. Mm. Uh, of 20 minutes uh you know i just taught a course on the weekend a group of people and uh none of them had meditated before in their life um they were anything between sort of 40 and 60 years old and um they all had an experience of what life what what is beyond the thinking process to some of them had incredibly profound experiences one woman came out of meditation goes I don't know where I went just then, but that was phenomenal. It was like a big space Mm. where there was no me, but I was like in a space just floating. Um, And that was in her very first meditation. Um, And that's why I teach it. It's why I practiced it. And I did a lot of research into meditation. I really only just wanted to use one that was going to cut straight to the chase and give Mm. me uh, an effect that I could get. Because a lot of them I wasn't noticing much of an impact, um, you know, after doing quite a few sessions. And so um, I just wanted to, find one that really had an impact and that's literally why i did it and why i teach it because i feel it's the most effective and most impacting so 20 minutes with um proper guidance and and t- training on how to how to do this um will will start to give you an experience i think after uh, you know three to six sessions you'll really start to notice um during the meditation or uh, and outside of the meditation how it's starting to um have some effect on your life
1: yeah okay and so once we've Once we've learnt this, and and for those that are listening, that where it may not be convenient to consider travelling to Sydney and working with you, or for whatever reason, um, you know, let's imagine that we that we are taking some support, we are learning to do this. To what after? I mean, you mentioned that example of of the woman that came to your course last weekend. Does that has she now gone into the world? as a meditator can she do it could she now just carry on practicing and reap the benefits without sort of further engagement with yourself for example
2: yeah absolutely they can there's no question yeah. about it once you get the technique you know you do it on your daily basis it's like you know you learn how to brush your teeth when you're a kid and you still do that every day so the technique itself doesn't actually change you still mm. do the same technique day after day you sit close your eyes repeat your your mantra your sound and, and let everything else just take its course. What does tend to support the process is, um, and you know, people can do this program online, they can have the same technique accessed online, but having uh, constant refreshing or engagement with, um, whether it's me or, or other meditators, is, is supportive because generally once you leave that workshop of meditation or your online program of meditation and you go out into the world, you're going to talk about, you know, the grocery shopping with your family or, you know, did the bathroom get clean? Is the garbage being put out? What Mm. about what happened in London last night? Isn't that terrible? Donald Trump, isn't that? And, you know, you're going to watch the news and read the newspaper and people are going to complain at the photocopier at work. And most of day-to-day dialogue is fairly base, fairly general, fairly repetitive and and fairly, um, you know, non-elevating. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yes. And okay. So, so
1: there's benefit in in having yeah. sort of ongoing support in in some shape or form. I, I can I can totally see that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Oh. Getting some support in the way you think and your refinement of your practice, and, and that's why we offer um, monthly coaching sure. um, for people all around the world with that.
1: Okay. Let me let me ask you this, and um, because I'll I'll be honest with with my own situation. So as I say, I've I've studied meditation. I've read books on meditation. I have practiced meditation. What I've failed to do is ever really stick with it um, in the sort of ways that you describe. However, what I've done, I just want to know whether, am I kidding myself? Because I'm sure I've met plenty of other people who say similar things to what I'm about to say. Is what I believe I've done is I've kind of learnt um, and reaped the benefits of meditation. But what I've done, I believe anyway, is that I've kind of converted that into something slightly different so I do a lot of walking I walk every day I go for a good walk by myself every day and I have convinced myself that the process of me doing that and I quiet my mind pretty well when I'm doing it that I get a benefit a meditative benefit from that action am I kidding myself
2: not at all you know you're, you're achieving exactly what you set out to achieve and this is what we, we are. We're creators. You know, mm. we, we create based upon intention. So your intention is to relax, quiet the mind, and you're doing that. So yeah, okay. um, that's that's your intention. Now, my intention was to get enlightened. Right. Um, I wanted to experience the disillusion of the I. I wanted to relieve myself of suffering. I wanted to transcend the limitations of the physical world and experience unlimited bounds. And so my quest and my inspiration was different and that's there's no right or wrong here. Um you know, I remember my mum when she, she she wanted she won't mind me saying this. Oh. She's such a such a great lady. Um she 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 was suffering a little bit of anxiety and she um and I was like Mom you gotta try this meditation. It's so amazing. Mm. And she's a devout Catholic and goes to church every week and she's like oh okay then um okay, I'll do dear. the meditation I'll do the meditation, but I'm not giving up Jesus. And I'm like, cool, you know, you, this is it'll just enhance your faith, and and you don't have to do that. Just it's just a technique that will help with anxiety. Mm. So for her, you know, she she she's been meditating twice a day for ten years now, and her anxiety went away, and she goes to church every week, and um and and her intentions and her goals were achieved as well. Um, she, she for her, it's a great practice that mm. keeps her feeling elevated and healthy and clearing her mind, and. Um, and um, you know, keeping the anxiety away. So it's whatever your intention is, you'll find that you're choosing whatever you need to choose to make that intention become real. So if your intention is to win lots of money at the casino, you'll go to the casino and keep gambling.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Take your point. Okay. Let me just move this in a slightly different direction. Um, I know that you have a couple of teenage kids um children and and i i have i have one of those as well and a number of our listeners have children so what i'd like to know is to what extent can we engage our children in this practice of meditation i mean if if you're willing to share how to what extent are you able to do that how you know how do we do this and should we do this with our kids
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a you know, it's it's one that I'm you know, we've developed a teenage meditation program and teaching quite a few uh, teenage uh, children to meditate recently. Um, The challenge with teenagers, not a challenge, I guess, it's just an observation of where teenagers are at, is that they haven't quite exhausted their research into (laughs) the world. You know, it's it's still (laughs) new and exciting, and Mm. there's a lot to explore, and you know, for them to close their eyes and turn their back on that exploration it's it's a big ask whereas for adults you know we get to 40 and 50 or 30 and we're like i'm done with all that you know i've tried everything i've got my plasma tv screen i had my holidays and i've had the partner and i had the kids but oh my god i'm so unfulfilled right now so you know we we're a lot more inclined after having completed a lot of our research Mm. to to go within and for teenagers um it's about the pitch and what we're offering and, I, you know, I've got a number of teenagers that have trialed that program and they absolutely love it. And for them it was great because it helped them feel lighter, it helped them feel happier, yeah. and helped them have a clearer mind with school and it helped them just generally improve their life and remove the stress, the pain point. So it's really um, one of those things that not all teenagers are going to want to do it just as not all adults are going to want to do it, but some teenagers just embrace it wholeheartedly. Um, I think the thing is what we're finding though now is that like I said in the beginning that teenagers are grappling with a new paradigm that we've never mm. had an experience of before and that's social media and the um, you know constant need to be engaging with so many people um, outside of school you know before school after school through their social media and mm. you know it's a great sense of almost obligation that they're, you know, contacting thirty, forty different kids, you know, in different group chats and individually, you know, mm. every day, which just never happened in the past. You know? Yeah.
1: No. Look, I think that's that's a great point, and I guess you know what what um, certainly what I've observed uh, through with my own child is that as at primary they had um, sort of moments of stillness and, you know, quiet time. And I guess, you know, that's, that's that sort of age and stage. If an adult says, do this, the child says, OK, I'll do that. You know, that's not, in my experience, <laughs> how they behave when they become teenagers. Um, but I guess what our job, I suppose, as adults is to say, hey, when you're ready, we, you know, this thing exists. Yeah, totally. You know, maybe it's when you're in your, you know, warm up to the HSC or... Other things, you know, when you need stillness, when you need focus, when you need calm, you know, come and talk to me because I've got a solution. I suppose that's that's sort of what you're suggesting there.
2: Um, look, Partly that, but one thing I notice is that children, more than anything, they just learn through osmosis. They're, they're like sponges just taking in information. And, you know, if they see their parents, you know, driving along erratically, swearing and screaming, smoking and drinking and, and sticking their finger up at people if they pull in front of them without indicating... Just going to think that that's normal and they'll mm. start to, you know, through osmosis, behave that way. But if they see their parents every day sitting in a chair, closing their eyes, meditating together, coming out of that meditation full of lightness and joy and giving them big hugs and, um, you know, openly communicating with them, then they're going to think that that's normal as well. So I think it really starts with the parent and the parent has to represent um, a model. You know, my children, they know how to meditate and we meditate together sometimes as a family, but, um, you know, they don't meditate every day, but they've got that vehicle there and yep. they definitely use it, um, at times. And, you know, I don't want to force it on them and see that a rebellion against it in years to come. Mm. It's more like, you know, you've got it now. It's available to you. Like you said, exactly. You know, it's when you want it, it's here and I've introduced it to you. I use it and then you can see why I use it. So that's, I think the best way to handle it would show Yeah,
1: and look, and i just just pulling this back to a sort of business perspective as well. I, You know, I think of, um, you know, I'm pretty sure most people think of me as being pretty calm, I hope, anyway. And I certainly know that when I'm around people, other business owners, other sort of entrepreneurs, other solo businesses that have that kind of aura of calm and quiet, gosh, it's an attractive thing. You know, and I think that, um, you know, when we're, those of us in a kind of service business, when our clients can see that we're measured and that we're considered and that we're, you know, we have this stillness and we're unflappable, I mean, it's so good for business. I hate to pull this back, you know, this might be horrifying you to pull this back to business, but I just think, you know, it is such a great quality to have, to be able to interact with other people and be that person that clearly... Others can see that you're, you know, you are in this calm space. You, it, it, It's just, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? When you're on that receiving end of that sort of person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I have, you know, not only do I not have any issues with that, I, I think it's great that you're discussing it because, mm. you know, this is not about having 20 minutes a day or twice a day where your life is good. It's about how this translates into your everyday life as a parent, as a business owner, um, as a friend and, you um, particularly in business, more than anything, I think it's absolutely essential. Uh, you know, you look at Ray Dalio, the world's largest hedge fund manager, who manages $180 billion worth of assets at Bridgewater Associates. Mm. And he does this technique of meditation. And he says that the key ingredient to whatever success he's had has been his meditation practice. Mm. And Oprah Winfrey, her whole company at OWN TV, um, they all meditate doing the same technique at nine in the morning and four in the afternoon the whole company and she said it's just been phenomenal the change that that's um, had in her company and that um, she says quote for quote it's only from that space can you create your best work and your best life because it's from that space you know that space of calm and clarity and optimal brain functionality and um, you know all the other things that start to happen, you know, people just generally like being around you when you're mm. calm and happy, is that it just filters through into your business in so many different ways. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Fantastic. And look, with that business in mind, I'm going to ask you one final question. I know that you are you're a solo business owner yourself. I know you have a number of people around you that support you, but you're a solo business owner. I'd like to know, what's it like selling stillness how easy is that as a, as, a, as a kind of business proposition? What's your experience?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I think people generally buy things or move to make a financial transaction pushed by pain or pulled by pleasure. Mm. Um, so if you think about it, uh, a holiday in Fiji, pulled by pleasure. I want to have a more pleasurable experience. Um, going to the pharmacy to get some tablets is pushed by pain. I need to get rid of something that's painful. And um, it really depends on your selling proposition, So a lot of our approach is um, obviously the pain point. Um, You know, we can alleviate anxiety and depression, insomnia, um, stress um, and, you know, gut disorders. All of these things can be um, sort of meditation can definitely help with all of those symptoms. But then, you know, we can also work on the angle of being pulled by pleasure, which is, um, you know, do you want to experience more love in your life? Do you want to have a happier experience? Do you want to have more energy? Do you want to have better sex life? Do you want to have greater clarity and greater creativity um make more money then that's all pulled by pleasure so um you you, you're actually selling the benefits and just Mm. like coca-cola or nike you know they don't actually talk about their product in their ads um what they show you is what life's like when you use it
1: (laughs) okay that's a great response and again um very clear demonstration that not only do you know about your subject you know how to engage people with your subject which is um delightful wonderful to hear so tom thank you so much uh I, i'm, I'm sh- i hope we can get you back again in the future i'll see if i can um stir up a bit of um dialogue with some of our community and get some of their experiences and and uh, maybe if i can invite you back in the future we might um, we might see how how our group are going but finally if people want to find out more of you and your work watch some of your videos read some of the stuff that you've written where's the best place to go
2: yeah, you can go to stillnessproject dot com or tomcronin dot com. Both of those websites will have. Um, information about what what we do and how we do it but yeah i'd love to come back it's been great chatting great questions and you do exude a sense of calm and that voice is like silky voice you should be unknown on radio or something
1: (laughs) (laughs) doing podcasts maybe Doing podcasts. yeah Yeah. all right look tom again thank you so much and finally before i go a quick reminder to listeners to check out work your way our new online course the place to go is Soloism.com and don't forget to use the promo code podcast for a nice little intro discount. So, Tom, thank you so much. I am, I promise you this, I'm going to, as soon as I hit stop on recording, I'm going to go and sit down quietly. I'm going to meditate. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you.
0: And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes.